Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. At the start of the year, I took my church through the letter to the Galatians. Now, this letter is short, but it's full to the brim with content. So enjoy as we grapple with how big Jesus is and how he changes everything. We've been working our way through the letter to the Galatians over these last few Sundays. And last week we saw that there was only one gospel. And all others should be abandoned because they leave their followers under God's curse. And if you remember, last week Paul was very insistent on that. And so Paul's been making the case that the gospel he's taught is the right one. And that leaves us with the question, doesn't it? How do we know that that's the case? Where did Paul get his gospel from? Well, we see in this passage that the false teachers have been accusing Paul of being dishonest. That's why verse 20 seems to be there. So what is Paul's defence? Why should we trust Paul's gospel? That's what we're going to look at this evening. So let's take a look at his arguments. It's in verses 11 and 12. Paul is quite obvious here. What he wants his readers to know. It's always nice when that happens. Have a look at verse 11. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. That's what he wants us to know. His gospel is not of human origin. And to prove that, he's going to show us, in verse 12, that he didn't receive it from any man, nor was he taught it. Rather, he received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at this evening, those two parts of the argument, to show that Paul's gospel is not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, as he said in verse 1. So let's have a look at our first bit, shall we? Received by revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul begins his explanation of the gospel being received by revelation of Jesus Christ. Now his argument here. It's something that's quite familiar if we think about what we saw in the news over the last few years. In 2017, there were lots and lots of stories of ISIS on the front of newspapers, on every news broadcast. Towns have been destroyed, people were killed, children were abducted. It was a horrendous time. And one of those fighters was a man named Bashir Mohammed. His group of fighters were famous amongst ISIS in Syria due to the number of Christians they'd captured and then crushed using bulldozers. They kept a tally of how many people they'd done that to. But through the presentation of the gospel to that man by a brave family member, Bashir Muhammad came to faith. And now you'll find him in the centre of Istanbul in a church pastoring a church, pastoring an evangelical Bible-centred church in the middle of Istanbul. That is a quick story. That is a transformation, isn't it? And that's what Paul is appealing to here. He says to the Galatians that they have heard what he was like before. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, he says. The Galatians know the way that Paul used to walk as a Jew. Paul knows what the Jewish faith is all about. And we know what he was like too from the book of Acts. He says in verse 13 here that he intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
And Acts chapter 8 tells us in verse 3, Paul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul wanted to destroy the church. And he seems to have been pretty good at doing it, if you read through Acts. And why was he doing that? Well, we're told he was advancing in Judaism before many his own age. He was the top of his class, you could say. Maybe he was in the class above what he should be in. He was extremely zealous, it says, for the traditions of his fathers. And because those traditions of his fathers were completely incompatible with the gospel, Paul had decided the right thing to do was to crush the church. Just notice, Paul's talking as an insider to the Galatians here. The people who are attracted to that system. The Galatians are becoming those who are going after the traditions of Paul's fathers. And Paul is showing them that the two things just are not compatible in any way. And did you notice, as we read through that, who did those things? Paul's extremely clear. I persecuted. I was advancing. I was extremely zealous. It's all Paul, isn't it? Paul was doing it all. But then you get to verse 15. Verse 15, but. But when God. Doesn't that sum up the life of a Christian? I was like this, but God. It's always a delight to hear stories and testimonies from those who've been saved. And they always demonstrate the grace of God, don't they? Those who are made alive in Christ are those who can say, but God. Notice the grace in these verses. God set Paul apart. Grace. God called Paul by his grace. He revealed his son to him by grace. That's what Paul had underlined to the Galatian church. It's all by grace. And the aim of that, Paul says in verse 16, is to preach amongst the Gentiles. You see, nothing in Paul's previous life could have prepared for his positive response to the gospel. It's all completely grace. His life was turned upside down. That's Paul's evidence that his gospel is from God. It was grace that changed Paul. That's evident. But the question that follows is, did Paul receive his message from men after that happened? Well, Paul says no. And that's the next bit. Not from any man, nor taught it, in verses 17 to 24. Carrying on in verse 16, Paul says that the moment he was converted, he did not consult any human being. You see, as far as he was concerned, there wasn't any need. Now you can imagine the Galatian church going, okay then, (coughs) if you weren't in Jerusalem, if you didn't consult any human being, prove it. So Paul does. He provides us, if we're in a police centre here, he provides us three alibis. His first alibi is there in verse 17. What does it say? It says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Paul isn't denying that the apostles in Jerusalem aren't fellow gospel workers, but he does deny that they're involved in any way with his gospel message. Instead, he went to Arabia. There's a map, if you know where Arabia is. It's over there. 
compared to where Paul is now. The general assumption is that Paul went there to preach to the Gentiles. That was the God-given job that he was given. And after that, he says he returned to Damascus. We're told in verse 18 that that covers three years of his life. So you can imagine that after three years, his gospel message must have been firmly established. And then after three years, he makes his way to Jerusalem. Here comes second alibi, it's in verse 18. Paul tells us that he only saw two of the apostles. Cephas, or as you might know him, Peter, and James. But notice what he went there for. He says he went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. Not to be taught by him, but to get to know him. We thought about being a fly on the wall on the mountain this morning. Imagine being a fly on the wall there during Peter and Paul's meeting and conversation. And add to that the fact he was only with him for 15 days. He's made a big deal out of three years he spent elsewhere before this. 15 days, that's nothing, is it? To sum up, Paul's first visit to Jerusalem was only after three years. It lasted only about two weeks, and he saw only two apostles. It's therefore ludicrous to suggest that he obtained his gospel from the Jerusalem apostles. That's alibi number two. Alibi number three, verses 21 and 22. Paul says he went up north, up to Syria and Cilicia. You can see that on the map there. It's the bit at the top. Both places, we can assume that he probably planted churches. And just like going up north in this country, it means you're out of contact with everyone down south. Being up north meant he was nowhere near Jerusalem. And that meant that he was, as he says in verse 22, personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The churches in Judea wouldn't know his face. To continue our kind of crime investigation theme, you could say they wouldn't be able to pick him up from a lineup. But they did hear of him. You see that in verse 23? And these, this verse summarises all that he's been saying before. The churches in Judea heard that the man who formerly persecuted them was now preaching the faith he had tried to destroy. <coughs> the big turnaround in Paul's life became known to the Judean churches. And they refer to what Paul is preaching as the faith. It's in line with what they know the gospel to be. And what do the Judean churches then do? Well, Paul says, they praised God because of me. They praise God because of the work God is doing through Paul. Well, where does that leave us? I don't know about you, but... If I'd met Paul prior to his encounter with Jesus, I'd probably have thought to myself, yeah, he's never going to get converted. Like the story of Bashir, the ISIS fighter, perhaps we'd have thought that his case was hopeless. But the fact that he did change shows us that God has the power to turn around even the most unlikely of people. People we may have given up on. So we should never give up praying for those who it seems impossible to reach, should we? Salvation is of grace. It's all down to God. It can't be calculated or manipulated. We should be like the Judean churches, shouldn't we, who praise God when a sinner is saved by grace. (coughs) 
my throat there. We should also praise God when a faithful servant preaches the true gospel. And that should remind us of our own story, shouldn't it? None of us deserves to be saved by God. All of us, without exception, stand rightly under his judgment. But God shows us his grace in saving us, doesn't he? And that should make us thankful. That should make us praise God for his transforming grace. For taking someone filled with such hatred for him, turning them towards him, turning them around. Well, there's some things to chew on. Why not let me know what you think by sending an email? The details are in the show notes. Until next time, get on with crazy problems.